If you want to grab a seat, we're going to get going. I want to, we're just going to kind of dive right in, um, and, and I want to start with prayer, uh, because I know that uh, many of us, all of us, have come from probably whatever our day looked like, and then we're here, and we're, we're going to stop, and we're going to chat for a little bit, and I'm going to teach for a little bit, and uh, apart from the Spirit of God intervening in our souls and our minds to engage us, we're just going to be zombies, and honestly, I'm just going to be a zombie as I... Uh, talk. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be that. So um, let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Mighty God, we come to you tonight, and I just open my hands before you as, as just a symbol of... Um, the desire to be filled. The desire for you to come and meet with us. And we're here tonight um, and we desire that you would unleash your presence in our midst. God, God, many of us probably sit here tired from a long day. Burdened from the weariness of the day. And so we are desperate for your spirit. To move in a way that we don't even know. And so as we just kind of dive right in this, uh, this evening. God, I'm just dependent upon you. And so would you teach us and guide us? And would you transform our hearts by the power of your voice? In Christ's name, amen. Um, so I believe firmly that, that what the Lord has for us tonight, um, for many, will open your eyes in a new way. Um, and, and here's what I mean, like, so... In a lot of ways, like, what I'm going to talk about is kind of introductory, okay? Like, who is the Holy Spirit? I'm going to introduce you to the Holy Spirit, okay? But here's, and here's why. Um, If we don't have a proper understanding of the fundamental reality of the nature of God, um, a lot of danger can creep into the church, okay? False teaching can creep into the church and false understanding and ideas about who God is in the third person of the Trinity, Okay, and so um, as we dive in, um, having, if you have a false understanding, um, whether it's uh, baggage from the past or just a misunderstanding, that can lead you into fear, okay? And maybe you sit here and you're like, maybe you came here and you're just kind of, I don't know where we're going with this, and you're just just kind of, your whole demeanor is kind of fear-based because maybe there's some things in the past or just misunderstandings of who God is in the person of, of the Holy Spirit. And so um, I want to help deconstruct some of those things. Um, but uh, more than that, we can't fully live spirit-filled lives unless we understand who the Spirit of God is. And then we can't worship Him. I mean, I, I guarantee you I go around the room and every single one of us says, I, wanna, I, I want my life to be a life that worships God, Right? 
Everybody, I know that. I know you. I know you all so well. And everyone would say, I want my life to be of utmost worship to God. But we can't fully worship God unless we have a growing understanding and knowledge of Him. And so, um, that's kind of where we're going. Um, and, and I want to... I want to caution you because as I, as I set out to write this field guide, as I set out to plan all this out, here, here, in my mind, here's, here's where my mind went wrong, okay? So I sat back and prayed and was like, God, what does this look like? And it was almost like this, this uh, puzzle, and I had to like map it out and the dates and coordinate it with the church here and babysitters and, and all. It was like this puzzle I had to solve, right? And um, really, through, through the, this quote by Tim Keller that's on page, the bottom of page 18, the Lord spoke to me um, in the fact that really this journey that we're on, whatever God's doing in these days, um, isn't this like, we've got to solve this puzzle as if there's this, um, this equation, but it's a, it's a mystery to be lived. As we engage in the Lord, it's the life of faith. Um, and so, so as we move forward, that, that was my struggle. And it's still my struggle because I'm a, here's how I want things to be and here's how I want things to line up. But um, at the same time, that's not the best way to pursue God because he's a mystery. He's hard to fathom and we're to just embrace that and, and seek to live in that um, and so, so we're going to answer two questions tonight. Who is the Holy Spirit, and what does he do? Who is the Holy Spirit, and what does he do? Um, when, when I say who is the Holy Spirit, what's, what's one of the first things that comes to your mind? Ready, set, shoot. Trinity. Pentecost. Helper. God. Okay. Um, there are false teachers in the world today that deny the divinity of the Holy Spirit. Um, I'm understanding that Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses are two of them, that deny um, the divinity of God through the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, so fr- from the gate, one of the things that we have to realize, and I love this diagram that's in your book on page 16, um, that de- depicts um, the divinity of God. Okay, so God is, is God in the person of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, the Trinity is just this mind-boggling thing. Um, we can't fully fathom. We can use all these different illustrations that we would look at that would try. I mean, people like use an apple to describe like the three nature, three part nature of the Trinity, or a book to describe the three part nature of the Trinity. But in reality, it doesn't quite do it, right? Have you ever tried to get your mind around those things? It just it just doesn't quite do it. And I just want to say like that's okay. Like I don't I don't understand it. I don't fully understand it. But who understands the mind of the Lord? Um, but the divinity of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, um, maybe in the past you've thought of the Holy Spirit as like just this force or this 
power, this abstract reality. But what I want us to see tonight is this personal, this personal nature of the holy God coming to live with inside of us. Okay, that he is God. Now, um, one of the, uh, there's many different evidences and arguments for the, the godness of the Holy Spirit. I want to go to one, and it's Acts 5. Um, you can turn there if you want, but I'm just going to kind of explain the story. So you have two individuals, um, one named Ananias and one named Sapphira, and here's what they're doing. Um, so they owned property, and basically what happened is they sold their property and they were going to give the money to the apostles, lay the, lay the money at the apostles' feet. It says that in um, Acts, the end of Acts 4. And then what happened was um, they, they were standing before, I think it was Peter, and there was this discussion about this money. Okay, and you know, did you give the money to us, to the apostles? And Ananias' answer was, yeah, all of it. Yeah, all of it. And, and in that moment, um, it's Peter, right? Somebody check me. Forgot to study that part. Um, Peter said back to him, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Okay? And then a little bit later it says, you have not lied to men, but to who? God. You've not lied to men, but to God. Okay, so right there you have a simple illustration of, okay, lying to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. And what happened in that moment? Ananias dropped dead. A little bit later, fire comes. It's like three hours later. Same type of situation. They ask her the questions. She answers the questions. She said, the same people that just buried your husband are going to bury you. You dropped dead. Okay. I guess powerful, and there's a whole lot of things we could go there, and a whole lot of discussion and illustrations, things we could point out from that. But what I want us to see is this idea that the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is divine. Um, that one of the, the next ones that says in your field guide is all powerful. Okay, so think about God being inside of us. Think about the idea, and, and we're going to dive into that a little more next week regarding the filling of the Holy Spirit, but thinking about God being inside of us. Luke one thirty five is the depiction of um, the Holy Spirit coming to Mary, or the angel coming to Mary and saying that the whole, you're going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's the one who put um, the Virgin Mary in, or the, Jesus inside the Virgin Mary. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. Um... This one's pretty crazy to think about because if, when, I, when, I, when I go about my day um, and I think about whatever's going on in my day, I, I often forget that God's in my midst and he's aware of what's going on. That God's in my midst, he's aware of the interaction I'm having with customers, with my kids. Okay? He's aware of those things. He's aware of the pain in my soul. He's aware of the situations that are going on outside of you. He's, he, he knows all. He's all-knowing. And another thing I think that brings up is you can, we can't outsmart him. No one can outsmart him. Um, he's, he's everywhere. Wouldn't that be cool to be able to be everywhere? 
No. We need people to get some coffee. I need some coffee. Um, in, in Psalm 139, it says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? It's this whole depiction of the spirit of God is everywhere. Okay, now, as I'm walking through these different attributes, probably what's resonating in your mind is, yeah, I've heard these. I've heard these descriptors of God. But do we realize that God in the, the, the three-part nature, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, these are true of all of them. Okay, he's eternal, forever. He's a, he's a creator. Now, here's what's amazing. Like, we have quite a few artistic people in our church. Um, and in thinking about being indwelt by a, by a creator, okay, if as a Christian, the Spirit of God dwells inside of us as the creator, the one who was, it was present in Genesis chapter 1 and who was engaged in the creative order, in creating, that same God who lives inside of us and is the means by which we can be creative. Okay, so the, the thoughts that come into our mind, the ability for, for those of you that are creative to do art, to, to create, isn't just your awesomeness. It's God manifesting himself outward through you as an artist. God's an artist. Like we look up into the skies, we look all around us, and we see that God is an artist. He's holy. I think we forget that one sometimes. He's holy. He's a person. Maybe, maybe in your journey to understand God, maybe there's a hard, a hard reality to understand that God is a, is a person. He's represented as a person. So he has a personal nature. Okay, what's something that defines a person? What, how do we define personhood? You're like, these are way too deep questions for <laughs> right after work. Okay, really, personhood is defined by three things. A will, an intellect, and emotions. We see those in, in, we see all three of those in the Holy Spirit. That he has a will, he has a desire. He has an ambition and a goal. Okay, he has an intellect. We, we know he's all-knowing. Cannot smart him. But how about this one? He has emotions. Numerous times, and I think several of the ones that I've listed there, um, talk about grieving the Holy Spirit. Those are, those are words of emotion. So this isn't just this, like, distant God. Yeah, I don't want to take away the transcendent, powerful nature of God, but he's a person. He has personhood. And how amazing is it that this powerful God, this Trinity God, that through the Holy Spirit, he becomes personal to us. Okay, so that's a little about who the Holy Spirit is. Okay, and we could go into a lot more depth there, but let's, um, let's talk for a minute about what the Holy Spirit does. What the Holy Spirit does. Now this, um, on page 18, is rather introductory. This obviously is not an exhaustive list of the Holy Spirit. But if you have a Bible and you want to flip to John 16, 14, I want to look at that together.
John 16, 14 says, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Okay, so who, does anyone know who Jesus is talking to here? The disciples. So he's talking to the disciples, and he says to them that he, talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit, that he will glorify me. Okay, so one of the, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in reality and in, in our midst and in the world is he glorifies Christ. And you look back at that diagram and you can see the, the, de- the depiction of the Son glorifies the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit glorifies the Father. The Father glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. This interwoven, perfect communal reality of the triune God. Well, here we see Jesus saying that he will come and he will glorify me. Okay? In creation, in and through our lives, God is working in a way to glorify Jesus Christ. To make much of Jesus Christ. But, but also it says, and to, he will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So think about that. Who is Jesus? What is, what is the nature of the cross and his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension? Like if, you, if you ever come upon something that you, you never saw before, like they had, like growing up, I don't even know if they still exist, but they have those silly pictures, like when you look at them, like you see one thing, and when you like really look at them, like all of a sudden you, you see something else, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever have problems seeing those? Like those just never worked out for you? Is that what it's called? Is there an app for that? Somebody check that out. Magic eye. Okay, think about this idea of the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus. Okay, have you ever been reading your Bible and you've come to the place where you're like, gosh, I never saw that. Like I I never, like I've read this so many times, but I never realized that. It's the Holy Spirit revealing Jesus to us and the depth of of his word he reveals he opens our eyes okay which takes us to the next one flip to Romans Romans 8 read this on Sunday we spent a little time in it on Sunday spent a little more time in it today so the Holy Spirit's the one who glorifies Christ, makes much of Christ in his work on the cross, his life on the earth, his work on the cross, his ascension. Um, also, he's the one who opens our eyes to the gospel. So look at 8, 1 through 3. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Okay, so here's what the Holy Spirit does. So, we're all very familiar with the nature of salvation in the sense that Christ died on the cross. Okay? He was buried. He rose again. We put our faith and trust in Jesus to be the, pay, the payment for our sin. We have everlasting life, and we enter into a relationship with God, and we have the promise of heaven, right? Okay, but, but do you realize that the Holy Spirit is the one who does the transaction? The Holy Spirit is the one who actually engages our hearts. Maybe you can think back to a time in your life when someone was 
was communicating the gospel to you. I remember, Rick, you sharing your story of like the guy who shared Christ to you, and it was just like, wow, like you, like you saw it. Like the Holy Spirit just opened your heart and your eyes and your mind to, to see, revealed to see, oh, this is salvation. This is the gospel. To the point where it's like, I didn't see that before. That's who the Holy Spirit is. The one who, who, in the nature of adoption, signs the papers, who does the transaction, who does the deal in working salvation in our hearts. Past, but also present. What's present salvation? Continue reading. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay, that's the present nature of salvation. It's every day walking in the power of the Spirit. So he's working out the the ability for me to actually come to Christ, but also the ability for me to continue coming to Christ. Every single moment of every single day. Lay down my pride. Walk in repentance. He gives us the ability to repent. He gives us the ability to obey. That's who the Holy Spirit is, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So he removes this idea of condemnation, um, but he also empowers us to walk in freedom. Okay, if you... I remember a time when I was in high school, just struggling with trying to walk in victory and follow Jesus, and just lived in a ton of defeat and a ton of sin. And I just like, I couldn't figure it out. And so much of the counsel that I received was just like this try harder effort in the flesh. And if if you've ever woken up in the morning and you're just like, I'm going to do this thing today. Like, I'm going to live for God today. And you probably know what what it looks like to fail. Because here's what I've realized and here's why I think who the Holy Spirit is is and understanding who the Holy Spirit is is such a game changer for the Christian life is that God has made absolutely zero provision for you to live the Christian life in your flesh. Zero provision. So if you wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love my kids today. Like I can do this. I'm going to live in purity today. I'm going to not yell at my employees today. We don't have the ability to do that for any length of time before we, we utterly fall flat on our face. Like, can, do, you, do, you, do you see your own life kind of rolling through? Like, I do. It happened today. Genuine. I'll just uh, go on record here to say that I hate the month of January. I'm like, it's like Unleashed Church. Like, this has been this vision forever. And I'm at work, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait for January to be over. Because it's just like, I mean, you're like, it's Subway. It's, it's intense. I'm telling you, being a high-end artist is, is, is a tough deal. But the point is this. Effort in the flesh to be at peace, to honor God, 
it doesn't work. And the only means that I have to live the Christian life is through the surrender and the power of the Holy Spirit actually coming inside of me and enabling me to walk, as it says here, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now that begs a better question. So how do you, how do you walk in the Spirit? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, the good news is, is that Rick, Rick is going to unpack that next Thursday. So that's a plug for next Thursday. Um, but the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk in freedom. Okay, listen, you are free. We don't walk in it. Like, did you wake up this morning thinking about, like, I'm free in Christ. I have the victory. I'm, I'm going to live out my identity today. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. But you, you and I, are, we're, we've been set free. We don't walk that. We have the victory. We don't walk in the victory. The Holy Spirit's the one who empowers that. Then the last one is, he leads us into realized identity and obedience. Um, jump down to verse 14. I'm skipping a ton of incredible stuff there that you need to dive into more yourself, and we'll look at more probably later. But verse 14, this is, this is huge, okay? And I hope to bring some um, perspective to your thought process here. Okay, here we go. Verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Okay, stop. Okay, so it just said something very clear. What's a defining mark of a child of God? Led by the Spirit. Okay, where there's, there's the prompting of God. Like, okay, so have you ever been living your life, going about your day, and you had this thought, like, man, I think I need to call so-and-so, or I need to text so-and-so. I wonder how they're doing. Let me ask you this. Is that your thought? Is that your, your idea that you conjured up in your mind? If we're people that are seeking to live spirit-filled lives, which has to happen in the realm of repentance, because through repentance... The filling of the Spirit comes. Okay? What happens? God floods our minds. And so as we're going about our day, the things that prompt us, the things that engage our heart and our mind, are actually God in His Spirit revealing to us where we need to go and how we need to live. And when we say dumb things, I need to go back there. I said something to somebody like last week. And I just, I just said, hey, I want to make sure that I, like, that didn't come out right. And I just felt like the Spirit was prompting me to go, and, and they're like, yeah, it was like no big deal. Like, I don't know why you brought it up. But I just said, okay, so this idea of all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I want us to begin to see that when we attribute, that, that, we, that we need to attribute our thoughts more to God engaging us okay now there's another element that we'll get into in a couple weeks because the scripture paul says take every thought captive to the obedience of christ right so because we live in a, in a broken world there's thoughts that come into our mind that aren't from god 
That's why the scripture says, test the spirits and see if they're from God. Which is like a whole other can of worms that we don't have time right now because I want to discuss in groups. But as the people of God who have God in us, he leads us. He guides us. He leads us in way like when we don't know where the job is coming or where the money's coming from or how we're going to make this next decision or we, we don't know, like, know these things. How are we going to make ends meet with a kid, with three kids, four kids, with who knows how many kids? God, God prompts us. He leads us. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So he speaks our identity to us, but he, and, and in that identity, he enables us to walk and move and live and breathe. Okay? Um, there's a whole lot more on page 37. Um, that we'll dive deeper into next week. That's just real brief introductory. Um, this is what it means to live. Okay, Jesus says man's life is not consistent in the abundance of his possessions. But where man's life consists is in the, 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 the possession, God possessing us and engaging us and guiding us. And so um, here's what I want to do. We're going to enter into our uh, time of uh, discussion with our groups. But I just want to um, pray again before we, before we do that. Um, so let's, uh, let's go into prayer. And I just want to give you an opportunity to surrender your heart to the Lord. Uh, maybe your eyes were opened to who God is in a new way tonight. Maybe your, uh, your mind was refreshed Maybe you're just kind of here and you're not sure. Um, man, let's, before, we, before we go into time of discussing and engaging with one another, let's just surrender our hearts to the Lord. Um, and I would encourage you that as God's working in you, um, probably every time we meet we'll, we'll ask the question, man, what's God done this week? Share a testimony of what God's done this, God's done this week. But... Share it with others. As we engage in our groups, share with others what God's done and what God's, God's doing. So let's pray. Go ahead and, and talk to the Lord. Lord, we surrender to you. Would you allow us now to engage in this journey together where there's fear, where there's uncertainty, where there's baggage from the past, where um, there's misunderstanding. Would you bring to light what the enemy is confused as we talk things out? God, would you unify this church by the power of your spirit. Would you fill us? In Christ's name, amen.